Thank you, Lord. Ha! Nakarawas yung kanta. Amen? Truly, hindi po matatawaran ng ating kalitasan. We will always uh, thank God for it. Amen? That's the greatest day in our lives. That's the greatest decision we ever made in our life. The moment we trust Christ Jesus as our Lord and personal Savior. So, uh, this afternoon, we will continue our book study in the book of Romans chapter 6, verse 1 to 10. So, uh, to give reverence to the Word of God, <clears throat> let's all stand up, please, and read it all together. We're already uh, blessed since this morning, amen, for those that were here, and also our Sunday school lessons. And thank God for all our teachers here in our church for feeding us with the spiritual Word of God. And... Um, Thank God for the message from Pastor Jeter uh, this morning, and uh, I thank God for this opportunity to continue our study in the book of Romans. As I said, this is one of my favorite books in the Bible, and written by one of the greatest Christian apostles. Actually, had written half of the New Testament books in our New Testament Bible, Apostle Paul. And here we will continue our lesson. We study about chapter 1. Chapter 2, chapter 3, that all men are guilty before God. The heathen are guilty in chapter 1. The hypocrites are guilty in chapter 2. Even the Hebrew is guilty in chapter 3 of sin and guilt. Then chapters 4 and 5, we study about justification. Thank God we are declared righteous through what Christ had done on Calvary's cross. And Romans chapter 6, six to 8, we will study about sanctification. Uh, after justification is sanctification or the freedom from sin's power. All right, so if you're there, say a hearty amen. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 to, th 1 to 10, we'll read it all together responsibly, and we'll read all together uh, verse 10. I'll begin. Verse 1, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Verse 5, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Praise the Lord. Death had no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's have a word of prayer. Father God in heaven, we bless your name. We thank you for this another opportunity to uh, have the freedom and liberty to gather our, ourselves in this beautiful day, in these four pillars of this church building. And we know, Lord, that your presence is in our midst because you promise when two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus Christ, thou art in our midst. And we are here, Lord, to glorify Christ, who is our Savior, and we are here, Lord, to learn more about you and to remind it of these great truths about this wonderful uh, 
doctrine of sanctification, that we are saved from something unto something, Lord. And help me, Lord, as your servant to be able to preach and teach thy word. Help me to rightly divide the word of truth. Help us, O Lord, to be also uh, diligent listeners of thy word. Help us, Lord, to divorce ourselves with the cares of this world for a moment's sake and just focus on the eternal things that God would like us to listen and to hear this very afternoon. And bind the works of the devil, Lord. Help us, Lord, to focus upon you. May your words, Lord, itself will already be a channel of blessing in our lives today as we read it, as we ponder upon it, and as we reflect upon it. Lord, forgive us once again from our sins and our shortcomings. Lord, I'm nothing without you. Use me as your mouthpiece. Use me as your channel and, and, and vessel, Lord, to rightly divide the word of truth and be uh, able to edify and exhort thy people today. If there's somebody here who's not sure of their eternal destiny, I pray, Lord, that may your love embrace them today. May they believe the gospel that Jesus Christ is the only one for them to be saved, to go to heaven because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And for believers here, Lord, help us, Lord, to live for you, to walk with you by faith, and be a better witness as we depart these four, four, four walls of this church, Lord, this afternoon. And I ask all these things in Christ's most precious and holy name. Amen and amen. You may all be seated. Thank you so much for standing. As we read uh, this passage of Scripture, Romans chapter 6, verse 1 to 10, by God's grace, we'll do um, expository preaching verse by verse as the time allotted. And here we can see that Paul uses baptism as an illustration, isn't it? Of how we should change after salvation. As we reminded you a while ago, chapters 4 and 5 were all about justification, and now he's talking about sanctification. It's like this, brethren. We are sinners, amen? But not just sinners, as a believer, we are now a forgiven sinner by the grace of God. But sinners still, still being forgiven, but forever forgiven, but should not this inward decision also affect an outward change? That's the question this afternoon. If God can powerfully do so much on the inside, he changed our heart. He changed our eternal destiny. How much more can he do now on the outside? Amen? He has made an eternal difference. We believe that. Can he make a present, current difference in our lives? Of course he can. Amen? Of course he can. You know, um, a lot of people hear the word eternal security or forever forgiven and translate it tragically quote-unquote, like this, I can live however I want. It's a sure sign of those who has, who has not been saved at all, I believe. Because the salvation experience is supposed to change us inside and out and makes us servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, allowing us by His grace to get victory over sin and moving unto holiness and being different, making a difference and impact into this world. If you want to make a difference, you got to be a little different as a Christian. Amen? Not strange like having two left thumbs, all right? Extra left thumbs. I know somebody, somebody was born like that, all right? But I'm not talking about that kind of strange. Or as they say, just walking to the beat of a different drum. 
a distinction. Not a holier-than-thou attitude, rather loving our fellow men and seeing life through a different set of goggles, so to speak. Having different standards, gauging priorities from a heavenly perspective. So, in a nutshell, when you are saved, you are justified, then you are sanctified. Amen? Set apart. You are now not just ordinary, usual, but you are now extraordinary, unusual, and unique for the purpose of God Almighty. You see, somebody said this, we need to be so heavenly minded that we are so earthly good. But it can go two ways, isn't it? You are so heavenly minded that you're not earthly good. Or you can be so earthly minded that you're no heavenly good. But we should find balance, amen? We should be so heavenly minded because that's our eternal destiny. That's our eternal abode. We're just pilgrims, sojourners. This is just our temporary residence, amen? Our heavenly citizenship, the Bible says, is there in glory. But in, in the same time, as we do the will of God, the work of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God in our lives, we are so heavenly minded, setting our affection on things above, putting our treasures in heaven, investing in eternity, that it became uh, a byproduct that we are also earthly good. We do good works. We help one another. Amen? We share. We witness. But we are heavenly minded. We have heavenly eternal perspective. You know, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, what the Bible says here, we know we, we like this passive scripture when it comes to Christmas message. Amen? But I believe this is not just referring to a Christian Christmas message, but it, it, it tells us something about sanctification. And, and, I, and I quote, And she shall bring forth a son. Who is this? This is the prophetic fulfillment of the Genesis 3.15. Amen? When man fall into sin, Adam and Eve and the serpent was produced, uh, proclaim a curse from God. You know, the curse for Adam, he will toil the land because thorns and thistles will grow. It will be hard to cultivate the land and produce fruit. Unlike before the fall, they just eat what they want. They have all the freedom to do what they want because they are, you know, innocent. And they are fully clothed in the righteousness of God, but when they disobeyed and rebelled against God, you know, they found out now they are separated from God. And that's the curse was placed upon man. He will uh, toil and labor to produce fruit. He has to work for the family and for the woman. She will have travail or hardship or suffering in giving birth. And she will be in subjection under her husband, Adam. And then the serpent, we know, the pronouncement of the curse, she will, uh, he will crawl on his belly and he will have the fear, the dread of men. You know what? Despite of the fall of men, God is so merciful and gracious to provide what we call the Proto-Evangelion, the first pronouncement of the Messiah, the Savior, that in the seed of the woman will the Messiah come and will bruise the head of the serpent, which is the devil. And it truly did happen in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, when she shall bring forth a son, Mary, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, whose name means Savior. Because it's already written there. The name Jesus, the meaning is he shall save his people from their sins. He is Yeshua. He is Joshua. He is the Savior. And it truly did happen, that fulfillment of prophecy in Calvary's cross. Truly, 
The devil bruised the heel of Jesus, but Jesus crushed the head of the serpent once and for all. Amen? Because of his death and his blood atonement, our sin debt has been paid in full. And I can just imagine the devil and the demons are laughing. Finally, for almost 4,000 years, we're trying to kill the Messiah, all the lineage, from Adam all the way to Christ. But he is never, never successful. Amen? Because our God that we serve is always sovereign. He's always two or three steps ahead of the devil. The devil is not all-knowing. Amen? All-powerful, but God is. So he planned all of this. And he says that he's a, he will save his people from their sins and not in our sins. Notice the difference. Christ saved us from our sins, not in our sins. It's like the prodigal son. He left the hog pen and returned to his father's house. When he remembered that he can be saved from his sins, he repented and he went back to his father. You see, the Bible also declares in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, talking about when a man gets saved from his sins, Therefore, if any man be in Christ. I love that phrase, in Christ. Amen? He is a, what God's people? New creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You know, when I was a kid, I loved New Year's Day. Because you can wear new things. Amen? New shirt, new pants, newly washed underwear. Amen? And we have a tradition. We go to our grandpas and grandmas because they give you those crisp, you know, uh, not dollar bill. They cannot afford it, all right? Uh, 10 peso bill, aguinaldo. You know, we do that from Christmas all the way to New Year. You know? You like, you like things that are new, isn't it? Aren't you glad when you became a child of God, when you trusted Christ as your Savior, He made all things new. You start with a brand new slate. You know, and later on we'll learn from that from the doctrine of the book of Romans, it happened because of justification. That's what we've been studying, amen? We are declared righteous before God. So, when we became new in Christ, a new creature, now God has a new plan and a purpose in our lives. So, I can say I am seriously concerned for anyone who professes Christ and shows no evidence of the fact that they are a new creature that there were changes that had happened. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 36, By their fruit ye shall know them. By their fruit ye shall know them. True, the root of our salvation is always faith in Jesus Christ. But there always have to be fruit of our salvation. The evidence that you are truly a believer, a child of God. I'm not talking about work salvation, but the work of sanctification carried out by the one who did the justification. Not about perfection, but progress. You, you, you've read the book, Young People? Listen to me. One of the books I recommend you to read is Pilgrim's Progress. You know, you love to read books about novels, this and that, mystery. Why not invest in good Christian books? Amen? That will enhance your faith and believe in God. Because we can relate in that, isn't it? The pilgrim's progress. You know, we, when we got saved it's not, and we are sanctified, it's not about perfection but progress. We are all at different stages of the spiritual race. Let's look at some verses about the spiritual race. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27. This is not in my slide, but 
felt led by God to share these verses. And you know what? Just reading God's word is already a blessing. Amen? When we read it with understanding. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27. This is written by Apostle Paul. And it says there, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the price, so run that ye may obtain. He's contrasting the, the marathon, you know, the race during the time of the, the Grecian Empire, where when they run the race and they won, the only thing that they'll be given is like, what, a leaf or something? You know, to recognize their effort, they train and everything. But also us, as a Christian, when we got saved, we entered in what we call a spiritual race. We all run the race at different stages, at a different pace. But we have one goal, amen? We have one finish line. Is that when we get to glory or when we see the face of our G Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So it says there, So run that ye may obtain. Verse 25, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things, now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. There are five crowns that a Christian can, you know, win, can have for the glory of Christ. One of them is the incorruptible crown, you know, uh, the crown of glory, the crown of righteousness. What else, if you remember? Crown of life, all right. And what else, the fifth one? Crown of rejoicing. Thank you. So five crowns. Aside from the rewards that God will give you and what we will do when we receive those crowns as our faithful stewardship before God. Are we going to keep it and say, oh, oh, Lord, you should be proud of me. You know what? There was a passage in the book of Revelation. We will offer it back at Jesus. And we will say, Lord, thank you for using me for your glory. Thank you that I have this to show it to you. I love the song of the pile of crowns by Greater Vision. You know, it's not for your own glory, but for God's glory. Amen? So something to think about in eternity. And while we are here serving God, we are putting those, you know, deposits, those investments for that crown. I don't know how many pearls or uh, wonderful uh, precious stones that will be inside that crown, but our service to the Lord with the right motive, with the right heart, will, you know, be attached to it. And it's all for the glory of Jesus. So look at verse 26. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it in subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a cast away. You know, Paul here is telling us he's, you know, vigilant in his running of the spiritual race. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. All right? I love this passage of scripture in one of our Bible studies. During Friday nights, I spoke about faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And it says in verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. So who is here that's being talked about in this passage of Scripture? These Old Testament saints who walk by faith, amen? Who are what we call in the hall of faith in chapter 11. These are the cloud of witnesses. Their testimonies are, you know, an example for us. A good report that they live by faith. They walk by faith. And we see the stories of Enoch and Abel and Noah and Moses and all the rest here in chapter 11. They are that cloud of witnesses. It says there, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us 
and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And I love this, looking unto Jesus. Amen? He is our finish line. He is our goal. It's his blessed face and presence we'd like to one day see when we get to glory. Looking unto Jesus, the author or the pioneer and the finisher or the perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Who is that joy set before him? Don't you know that that's you and me? Because Jesus Christ is eternally God. When he was suffering on the cross, I cannot just imagine that our names probably, our faces probably crossed his mind. I'm dying for the whole world. I'm dying for Pastor Sam. I'm dying for Deacon Bobby. I'm dying for, for Mrs. Mendoza. I'm dying for those that will trust me right now and in the future for the salvation that I provide. I'm dying as the fulfillment of all the Old Testament sacrifices. Those that put their faith that one day the Messiah would come. That one day there's a Savior that will be born. That one day there will be a Savior that will save all men. You see, we are the joy that was set before him. And he endured the cross. Despising the shame. And is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, in this spiritual race, it's not about perfection. Amen? Because we falter, we fail. We fall. But it's about progress. It's about progress. That's why keep running the race. Amen? If you get down, you fall down, get back up by the grace of God. Keep on running the race. Look at 2 Timothy 4, 7. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Another great uh, verse of scripture from Apostle Paul that God has inspired him to pen this. He said, I have fought a good fight. You know, we, we preach this during New Year's too. All right? Or if somebody passed away. Amen? The beginning of life and even the end of life. All right? The beginning of the year or at the end of the year. For uh, it says in verse 6, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, Apostle Paul said. I have finished my course. Okay, young people, finish your course. Amen? Make up your mind. Amen? What you want to do in life? Pray to God. Ask God for His will and plan. Of course, that's speaking of that spiritual race. A spiritual course that God had given to Apostle Paul. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me another crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. You know, recently you've heard me preach about prophetic events, end-time prophecies. You know why? Because the Bible says in Hebrews, uh, I believe, 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But you know what? We need to be vigilant and everything because we see the day approaching. What is the day approaching? Of the near return of Christ. And you heard me preach about the rapture might be happening in our lifetime because of all the signs of the times that we can see about the coming tribulation. The 70th week of Daniel, Jacob's trouble, of all these things that are happening in the world. That's why our eyes is not just supposed to be set in our own families, in the four pillars of this church, but also in our community and globally. What's happening in this world? How come there's one world 
religion happening? How come there is one world government? How come there is one world currency? How come there's these earthquakes and pestilence and, and plagues that are happening? You've heard the news of devastating, you know, uh, uh, tragic, disastrous earthquakes and floodings happening more intensified and frequently, intensity and frequently and globally. As the earth is groaning, waiting for it to be redeemed, the Bible says, before the Christ would come, there will be an increase of that. Not just physical destruction, but spiritual destruction. We see apostasy happening around right now. I've sent like a, a video, one of the people that I follow in, in YouTube. If you want to follow somebody, follow those that preach the gospel. <laughs> that will bless you spiritually. You know, I'm not promoting him, but you know, uh, he's not even a Baptist, but he's a good teacher. And he he is an apologetic. He defends the faith. And you see the apostasy right now that they say in John 3.16 that they are saying God is gay and you are also a God. You can become a God. It's humanistic in its most blasphemous stance. And I, I'm appalled for that, isn't it? Because our God is holy, righteous, but man is just so deceived and confused and blinded. And it breaks your heart when you see that. And people believe it. And follow them. Isn't it? They said you just need to tolerate them because God is a God of love. No. I differ. Amen? Because the truth is always truth. No matter what men say. And sometimes we have to defend the truth. We're not called to debate. You know? We're not called to argue. But when we are called to, the Bible says we need to be ready to give an answer to every man that asketh us of the hope that is in us. Amen? It is true. That's why we have Bible studies. Amen? Sunday school. So we can be equipped. We can be edified. So we will know and filter what's apostasy, lies, and truth, or mixed truth and lies. Amen? Because sometimes they all look the same. And they look good. They sound good. But are, are they biblical? Are they coming from the very word of God? Because people can also use the Bible to try to justify their belief. But look at this. Christ came, we were his joy, we were his crown. He says there in first, uh, Second Timothy chapter 4, verse uh, 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not only, but unto all that, them also that love is appearing. Don't you know we can earn this crown for those who love Christ appearing? If there's a crown we can have, amen? This is one of them. As we see, we see the day approaching, amen? So keep on watching. Keep on waiting. Keep on worshiping. Keep on working for the Lord as we see the day approaching. So we need to grow and be sanctified in our faith. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. The Bible declares, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, I could say, when it regards, regards to salvation, if nothing happened to you after you walk the aisle, then nothing happened to you when you walk the aisle. Isn't it? Justification and sanctification should not be separated in our minds so much. You should not have one without the other. Because the Bible says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, one of my favorite scripture, a great promise from God that He 
who have begun a good work in you shall perform it until the day of Christ. Amen? So when you got saved, God truly started a good work in you. Amen? And He's still working in us. Amen? We are a work in progress. As they said, there's room for improvement. The Christian life, you never reach the plateau of, you know, perfection. It's still a progressive cycle of growing and maturing, testing, trials, isn't it? Blessings, you know, and ups and downs. That's why it's a race, isn't it? But our goal is the Lord Jesus Christ. And to hear him say, well done. To hear him say, well done. I'm glad God never abandons a building project. He's still working in you and on me. You know, our God is both an interior decorator and an exterior redesigner. We have folks here who love design. Amen? God is the greatest designer of all. <laughs> he has a design for your life and my life. If we will just tune in through his word and prayer, we will know what his real purpose and design in our life. And of course, eventually, we are designed to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. To be more like Jesus in a lot of areas in our life. And on the other side, a lot of Christians today overdose on liberty and say, the inside is all that matters. You know what? That's a lame excuse for living a careless, carnal life. There are three Christians nowadays that you can see. You know, three kinds. Uh, I like to share this as a side note. There's a careless, carnal Christian. There is a complacent, comparable Christian, but they are the committed, crucified Christian. Whose level are you? Amen? For the careless, carnal Christian, they need to change, amen, and get back to God. For the complacent, comfortable Christian, sometimes God sends troubles, you know, to, uh, God sent troubles to the comfortable, so they will be uncomfortable. There you go. And sometimes God comforts those that are troubled. So they'll be more like him. Amen? So he troubles the comfortable and he comforts those that are troubled. So when you receive temptations or testing and trials, maybe you are living a too comfortable Christian life. God has to trouble you so you will grow in your faith and depend upon him, isn't it? But we live in a day and age of too complacent and comfortable Christians. They are just content just to sit in the bench, so to speak. Spectators. Amen? But I thank God they are still committed, crucified Christians. Especially in this church, you, whom you will see every week. Whom you will see that are like shouldering the burden of the works of the ministry. And they don't need to hear the praise of their pastor or somebody from the church. Or they, they don't have to have a pat in their back. But they know they're doing this for the gospel's sake. They're doing this for the sake of the ministry. They're doing this because they love God. And you know what? I want to encourage you, just keep on doing that. God knows, God sees, and God will reward you openly when we get to glory. 
That was our Sunday school lesson a while ago. You know, sometimes, you know, you know serving God is difficult, especially when you are persecuted. Amen? When sometimes it's, you need to do it sacrificially. But is there sacrifice too great to give to our God? Who already sacrificed greatly toward us so we can become children of God and citizens of heaven? There's no sacrifice, isn't it? We cannot compare what we do to the Lord for what He has done for us already. No comparison at all. Actually, it's a privilege to serve God. It's never a sacrifice to give, to serve God. So, hope by God's grace as we see the day approaching that we'll be the committed, crucified Christian. Not just a professed one, but somebody that's possessed by the Spirit of God. You know, you see, without repentance, I would not bank on heaven with salvation in a person without repentance. It's true. Repentance is necessary for salvation. Repentance and faith always go hand in hand, side by side, like the same coin. Amen? Same side of the same coin. So, these are just the introduction. Amen? Let me go quickly. See? Sabi ko na, kumanta na nga ako, pero mahaba pa rin eh. Sabi niya, here, a justification... Let's see this. I hope this will bless your heart. A justification, comparison between justification and sanctification. A justification, God declares us righteous. Amen? Declared righteous. Legally. In the eyes of God. At sanctification, God truly makes us righteous. A justification, it was an instantaneous act. It happened at the moment of salvation. That's the greatest miracle of all. But sanctification is a lifelong process. Justification removes the penalty of sin from our lives. Sanctification removes the power of sin over our lives. Remember those three things? I always preach here about uh, the progression of our salvation and these three wonderful uh, doctrines in the Bible. We are justified justification, declared righteous, we are, you know, uh, freed and, 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 and uh, delivered from the penalty of sin. And then there's sanctification. We are delivered and free from the power, pollution of sin in our lives currently, presently. Then glorification will be freed from the presence of sin forevermore, for all eternity. Those three. So God is saving us from the past, present, and in the future. And in that future glorification is will be free from this body of death, body of sin. Later on, we will see in the book of Romans chapter 6 what Christ is talking about. Amen? So aren't you blessed? Christians, our salvation is secure. It's in Jesus. He keeps on saving us. And in our Sunday school this morning, one of the greatest, shortest, most effective prayer was the prayer of Peter when he was thinking, Lord, save me. And there are moments in our lives we pray that prayer. Maybe there were times we were outside of God's will and God is chastising us, correcting us. And all we can say, Lord, save me. Give me another chance. Isn't it? And that's a prayer. Thank God. God will hear and answer. The plead of His children for mercy. The plead of His children for being rescued. Alright? Let's go ahead. Justification removes the guilt of sin. Sanctification removes the growth of sin in our lives. See the comparison? A justification, righteousness is imputed. Oh, I love this doctrine of imputation. 
but at sanctification, it is imparted, made a literal part of my life. Remember, we studied about the federal headship of Adam and Christ, the comparison. When Christ, you know, when we receive Christ as our Savior, that righteousness that He wrought for us when He lived perfectly for 33 and a half years is given to us. It's like a cloth or a jacket. That, that righteousness is like something that He took off and He gave it to us. It was imputed to us because at the same time, the sin of Adam that was passed to all men because He's our federal head. He is that, uh, that seed. He plunges the whole human race to sin and penalty of sin. It was imputed to us that sin nature, as the Bible says, we are conceived by sin. Amen? But at the same time, because of Jesus Christ, He imputed righteousness to us at the same time. That's why salvation is not just not going to hell. But it's more than that. That is having the righteousness of Jesus Christ and living for His glory. Amen? Salvation is not just a fire insurance. Oh, I received the Lord, I'm not going to hell. But it's more than that. We are saved from sin, but we are also saved unto righteousness. That's why there should be changes. There should be the desire to serve God. There should be the desire to witness to others. There should be the desire to, to invest in the eternal kingdom of God for a Christian. Because that really matters at the end of life. Amen? You see, justification, moving on, is a transaction. Sanctification is a transformation. When you are declared righteous, when you are genuinely saved, born from above, that's a one-time deal. You are saved forever. You are given ever, everlasting life. It's like a legal transaction. God declared you righteous through the virtue of Jesus Christ. But sanctification being set apart, growing in our faith, being more like Jesus, is a process. It's a transformation day by day, week by week, month by month. As I said, the longer you become a Christian, you know, the better servant and witness to God you're supposed to be. Amen? Kaya may mga Kristiyanong paurong ang growth. You know, you're sad or either stagnant or hindi lang stagnant eh. Yung nakakalungkot pa, baby pa rin. Matitiso rin. Diba? Laging walang faith, laging nagwa-worry. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, you always worry. You, you know, you, you always get easily offended or something. But we are, we are commanded by God. God's desire for us is to grow. Take meat. Amen? Hard stuff. Because it's true. We're living in the last days. Things are going to get tough. A Christian needs to be in a stronger foundation. Amen? Going in their faith. And what, is, what else? Justification is a matter of receiving divine life. And sanctification is a matter of learning divine living. I'm just blessed with those. So let's go on to the message. <laughs> Romans 6 verse 1. I'll try to be brief. Give me a few minutes. Okay? It says there, verse 1, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Two questions. Amen? Then verse 2, it says there, God forbid! May magigising ba? Alright. Okay. May nagising kang inang bata eh. Kasi hindi yata ako. God forbid, how shall we say that our dead to sin live any longer therein? Amen? So in my study Bible, when that question was posted, 
If sin generates grace, should we encourage sin in order to cause more grace to be granted? God forbid! Like the Greek, meh, hinecho. Perish the thought. May it never be. Don't even think that way. This expression of unthinkable horror occurs in Paul's epistles more than 60 times. God forbid. He uses it whenever the thought suggested is too repugnant to entertain. Sin here is singular in this verse, and throughout this chapter, it refers to the sin nature. It refers to the sin nature. Perish the thought, not at all. These verses contain three keywords that tell us how to be sanctified. The verses that we read from verses 1 to 10, know these three words, know, reckon, like a southern, you know, word, and yield, all right? And yield. I think that's another slide. So today we will just study one, know. Amen? Mag-amen kayo, kung hindi. Abutin tayo hanggang alasin ko rito, all right? Let's just take the first word, know. All right, there is something I must understand. And later on in our studies, reckon or consider. All right, there is something I must underscore and yield. There is something I must undertake. Easy to remember. Okay, first is the word know. We can read it in verse 3, verse 6, verse 9, and verse 16 of Romans chapter 6. So I can say I'm thankful to God that sanctification is not just based on what I do, but on what I know. Amen? What I know about Jesus. Question, do you want to live for Jesus? We do, isn't it? By God's grace. As all noble desire of a Christian, of a believer, a follower of Jesus. But do you struggle with some sins? We all do. Yes. Here are some things you need to know to make a difference. First, know that ye are dead to sin. Look at verse 2. God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Does that mean my old nature is now dead? No, because baptism is the illustration here. It's not teaching we are saved by being baptized. Amen? We came to an old faith that as a baby, you have to be sprinkled or poured so you will enter the kingdom of God. They invented that practice, even the baptism for the dead of our old RC faith because it's a part of way of monopolizing, controlling the people during that time. If you will not go through our church, then you will not find any salvation. Lies, isn't it? It's a man's doctrine. Man's belief, never in the word of God. But it is reminding us in these verses that by baptism, we are identified with Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. That's why we read from verses 3 to 5, before salvation, we were identified with Adam. But after salvation, we are now identified with Christ. That when he died, we died. When Christ resurrected, we resurrected. To walk in the newness of life, when we are born again, that's what water baptism is symbolizing. Of course, there's what we call spiritual baptism. That's the moment when we got saved. We are baptized with the Holy Spirit. We are, you know, identified with Christ in His powerful salvation that He offers. That's once an instantaneous thing that happened the moment we put our faith and trust in Jesus. We are baptized by the Holy Spirit. We are given that seal of our salvation. 
happens once and for all. But water baptism, that's why when I baptize people, I, I, I quote this verse of scripture, you know? You know, we ask about their salvation experience, if they remember the time that they were born again, they got saved, when they got witnessed to, and, and we say, upon the profession of your faith to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I now baptize you, my brother or sister, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, buried in baptism in the likeness of his death, and raised up in the power of his resurrection to walk in the newness of life. You know where we got that from? Here, Romans chapter 6, verse 3 to 5. Before salvation, we were identified with Adam. After salvation, we are identified with Christ. Because of this truth, we have totally a new relation, relationship against sin. Look at verse 4 in the first uh, phrase there. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. When Christ was buried, our sins were buried with him. Amen? Our old man, our old nature. But since we are still in the flesh in the world, sometimes they resurface. It's like the illustration of Pastor Max we always remember. We have two nature now, isn't it? The spiritual nature and the old nature. And who you feed the most is like two dogs, like the Indian story. There's the black dog and the white dog. All of those comic strips that we see. There's the little devil here and the little angel here. That's white and red devil, isn't it? And they tempt us, hey, don't do that, that's wrong. The other one, hey, do that, it will make you feel good. Isn't it? But we have two spirits now. Who you feed the most will overcome the other. That's why the Bible says, to tell us to meditate upon the word of God. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We need to saturate, meditate ourselves with prayer, with the word of God, with fellowship. So we'll go stronger in our faith. Amen? So when we baptize someone, when I baptize someone, I explain that it will illustrate two things. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And secondly, their salvation experience of dying to sin and being born again into a new life to live for Jesus. That's why if you profess that you're saved, you accepted the Lord as your Savior, there should be no hindrance not to be baptized. Amen? Like the Ethiopian eunuch, when you know evangelist Philip shared to him the gospel, he received it. Chariot of salvation, amen? While they're in the chariot riding, explain to him Isaiah, that Christ is the fulfillment of Isaiah 53. Messiah had come. He just came from Jerusalem. He did not understand what they're teaching about. He went through the motion, but Philip, the evangelist, came there. You know, he was whisked by the Holy Spirit from Samaria. He's doing a great work. But the Holy Spirit said, you have to witness to this person, this eunuch, and he got saved. And he was baptized when they saw a body of water. And he was the witness to go to Africa and start a Christian church there. You see? God works miraculously in many, many ways. Amen? But if you're saved, that's why I'm so glad when there's some prayers here. Oh, uh, I, want, I want him, I want her to be baptized. There should be no, no hindrance obstacle. If you really know what salvation is all, all about, you should not be ashamed to be identified with Jesus. That's the point. Amen? How can you be ashamed when he took your shame and my shame on the cross? When he hung there? And sometimes nahihiya tayo sa Panginoon, di ba? Na maglingkod sa Kanya. Sometimes we guilty. Too ashamed to share the gospel. Too ashamed to pass a gospel track because you might be jeered upon, mocked upon, 
talk oh, you're so religious fanatic but if you're really a witness for Christ by his grace you should not be ashamed I'm not saying you, you have to be like arrogant or too proud but just thank God Lord thank you I, I can be used by you in simple way simple manner so I could say because I am identified with Christ you know I am identified with his resurrection when he was laid in the tomb and the Roman Empire guarded it we as we read in verse 4 and 5 but on the third day as we know he rose again he conquered death and I'm identified with that with a brand new life so I can say I'm not a reformed sinner but a transformed sinner amen I don't have a clean-up version of the old me but a brand new me and so we are to walk in the newness of life then look at verses 6 to 8 knowing this that our old man is crucified with him that's not talking about your parents all right like the modern you know colloquial language right old man but that speaks of our old nature our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth we should not serve sin for he that is dead is freed from sin all right verses 6 to 8 we were there with him so to speak, in those hours on the cross when Christ was hanging, our sins were laid upon him and we were in his heart. I'm thankful for that. That's why Galatians 2.20 declares, Galatians 2.20, uh, if you have to have a memory verse, a favorite verse in the scripture, it's also a song. Amen? Wow, again, one of Pastor Mark's favorite verse of scripture, I believe. When he said, I am crucified with Christ, Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, this can be a theme verse of any Christian when it comes to sanctification. Amen? When it comes to living for the Lord. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. My life now is new. It's not me. I now live the life of Christ that has given me a new life. And He wants me to live a life that is abundant. Diba, nakakapagod rin yung same routine? I'm not saying that it's mediocre. mediocre Alright? Ordinary life. But we are called to be faithful in what God has given us. Amen? But you know, as a Christian, our life is not just ordinary. Even sometimes we do ordinary things in life, but when we do it for the Lord, amen? amen? With His strength, with the perspective, Lord, thank you for another day of life. Lord, thank you, Monday again tomorrow, I can go back to work. Is that your attitude? I, I have to face uh, my co-workers that are so fond of me, or my boss. Yeah, sometimes it's a drug, isn't it? But you know what? When you look at it with an eternal perspective, and at a heart of thankfulness, you'll say, Lord, thank you, I still have a job. Lord, I, thank you, I can still provide for my family. Thank you, Lord, you have given me this job so I could give to the kingdom of God, to the church. I could help others, my relatives or friends who are in need. Even ordinary things, when you do it out of the perspective of glorifying God, it will be blessed. Amen? It will be blessed. He says there are, oh, and then the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith. There you go. There's the word faith again. There's the song living by faith. Amen? It's true. We all live by faith day by day because we don't know what tomorrow brings, but we are just trusting God for the day, the very day that he will 
allow us to accomplish something. Look at verse 6. When you notice the phrase that the body of sin might be destroyed, it implies meaning rendered powerless, that the body of sin, old nature, will be powerless. Yes, the old nature is still there, but its domination over you and reign over you has ended. Amen? Doesn't mean you won't sin, just you don't have to sin now. Once you are sanctified, once you are justified. The lost person, the unbeliever, the secular world, those who don't know the Lord, has to sin. They are a slave to sin. They are a puppet on a, on a string, so to speak. They are still the old man. But your old man, your old sinful nature, has been crucified with Christ. And you have a power source to plug into it, if you will. That's why you can overcome. You can have victory. Amen? Just to illustrate this, as we almost close, amen? Imagine yourself a prisoner of war, being marched to the jungle with a gun at your back. Oh, sounds like a movie scene, isn't it? Your enemy trips, though, and falls on his face. His gun at your feet. What do you do? You pick up that gun and point it at him. My, oh, my, how the tables were turned. You see? It's like before you came to Christ, sin had the power and you were its prisoner. Now that you are in Christ, you have the power and sin can be your prisoner. Amen. You can be freed. Amen? For the truly saved, slavery to sin should no longer exist. You've got to know that you are already sanctified, set apart. That's why verse 7, it says, For he that is dead is freed from sin. Jesus will save his people from their sin, like Matthew 1.21. Look at verse 9 and 10. Sin has no dominion over Christ. We are in Christ, so it has no dominion over us. Since, you know, sin has never had any effect, dominion in Christ, when we are in Christ, so to speak. We have also the power of dominion over sin. You see, the, the devil is so sly and subtle. He had people hoodwink, so to speak, into thinking that you cannot get victory over some certain sin. But God is more than able. He's powerful to give us freedom. To illustrate this, imagine there are two fields with a road in between. Both fields need to be worked and cultivated. One belongs to Satan and the other to God. So before you got saved, you were working in the devil's field. Isn't it? Yeah, we are slave to sin. You had no choice about it. You were his slave. But when you turned to Christ by faith and got saved, God rescued you over to his field. And there you plow. But as you do, Satan is across the way in his field, trying to lure you back over with him. You don't go back over because you have to, but often because you want to. So sin has no more dominion. You don't have to, but sometimes we just want to because the flesh overcomes us, isn't it? It's like an elephant chained to a tiny stick and doesn't pull it out. Because you know what? As the baby, they drove a much bigger stake into the ground and he could not get away and eventually gave up trying. So even if the stake is just small, he will not even try to pull it out because his mentality is still heavy. God, thank God, has broken the chains of sin in our lives. But the devil doesn't want you to believe that that happened. So don't believe that lie. Because Jesus Christ in the power of his resurrection, Jesus Christ in the power of his life-giving force among us is a chain breaker 
of any sin that man is enslaved upon. That's his promise. You can be sanctified so you can glorify his name. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father God in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for this passage of scripture. Thank you, Lord, that sanctification is a lifelong progress, is a lifelong goal for a Christian. And thank you, Lord, that you set us apart to do your will, to do your purpose. And we're just thankful, Lord, for God's people here in Bergen, for those who had come this afternoon to continue to hear your word. And you said that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And once again, Lord, I could say I, I can just scratch the surface of these wonderful verses, but I hope and pray that something that was said has been a blessing to all of us. It's been a blessing to me. He had rebuked me, instructed me, admonished me that living the Christian life is the greatest kind of life because we are not just living for temporary, earthly, selfish desire, but we are living for something greater. We are living for the one who died for us and rose again. We are living as a reflection of what we do here on earth will reflect in a heavenly manner. What we do with our life, with our talent and skills, our time, our treasure, will reflect to the afterlife, to eternity. Truly, we're all just your stewards, Lord, managers of the God-given resources. And help us, Lord, to think heavenly. We should be heavenly-minded that we are also earthly good. That's our heart's desire today. Truly, you set us apart, sanctify us for the glory of Jesus. And forgive us, Lord, for the times that uh, we lose track. We are sidetracked and priorities are not according to your perfect will. But we thank you, Lord, that your word is there to guide us. Your, your word, the scriptures, is there to give us direction, Lord. And just give us the wisdom, Lord, to rightly apply what we've heard, what we learned today. And more than ever, we need thee, O God. We need thee, O Lord. So I thank you, Lord, for your people who have come here today, for their heart's desire. And as we pray, Lord, before you, as your people pray before you individually, silently, maybe they have a burden in their heart. You listen, you hear uh, their prayers. And personally, Lord, I, I pray that you pardon me and forgive me when I'm not truly set apart for you, when I'm sidetracked and I lose my heavenly perspective and get to focus too much on this world we're living in. And we're all guilty of this, Lord. But we thank you, Lord, that when we look upon your word, we are brought back to the place where we ought to be. And it's only by your grace and mercy, Lord, that that could happen. Thank you, Lord, for your Son, Jesus Christ, who set himself apart to be the propitiation of our sins. Thank you, Lord, that God the Father does, did not have to look for a Savior in heaven, look for an angel to volunteer to die 
for mankind. But from eternity past, we believe, Lord, that Christ is already willing to obey the Father's will. To purchase our salvation, to redeem us by coming down from heaven. Coming down here to earth to be our Savior. To become like us so we can redeem men like us. Lord, thank you for our salvation, the greatest of all miracles. But it did not stop there. After our salvation, our justification, there is our sanctification. This is now the struggle, the battle. This is now, more than ever, we need your grace and mercy, compassion, direction upon us. Once again, Lord, we thank you for being a merciful, forgiving God because we all fail, falter, and fall at some point. But thank you, Lord, for picking us up, for giving us another chance to do your will again. I pray, Lord, especially for our young people here. I pray for everyone, but our young people, Lord, may they set themselves apart from you, that they are unique, they are extraordinary, they are the children of the Most High, they are ambassadors of Jesus, they are stewards of the grace of God. Lord, help them to have a passion to grow in their spiritual lives. May they use their lives, their talent, their time for thee. Because the world will like them. The devil and the flesh to use what they have for, yeah, human glory. But it will fade and pass away. But when we do your will, it will abide forever. As you said in your word. Lord, thank you for our church because you allowed us to minister to one another, minister to and save lost and dying world through our missionaries, through our prayers for them, and also our own personal witnessing. I know, Lord, that's your heart's desire, and it should be the heart's desire of everyone here. As Pastor Max always preached to us, wherever you are, you are a Christian first. You have to be a good witness, a good testimony. You ought to be a salt and light. Not perfect, but a work in progress. So help us, Lord, to continue to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, so we can be a better testimony and witness to the lost and dying world. Lord, hear the prayers of thy people. And I pray now, if there's a person here who's not saved, what I mean is they are not sure if that comes their way, that they have a home in heaven. May this be the day and hour that they will call upon the name of Jesus and ask him to save them from their sins. And that's a prayer that God will always hear and answer, the prayer of a repentant sinner. All they need to know is a acknowledge their sinful state, their lost condition, that they could never save themselves. No amount of good works, religion, baptism can save a man because it's filthy rags in the sight of God. Number two, they need to believe on Jesus. This is the only way to get to heaven. He's the only one who died, buried, and rose again and lived forevermore and promised that whoever believes in him should not die anymore but live unto eternal life. And 
call upon Jesus to save them. Call upon his holy name for salvation. And he said and promised in your word in Romans 10, 13, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've never done this before, to our friends here and guests, I hope this message is clear unto you. Only Jesus can save you from your sin and set you apart for his glory and give you a home in heaven. All you need to do is to place your faith and trust upon him. Call upon him in salvation like this. Lord Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Lord Jesus, I ask you by faith to come into my heart and life to be my Lord and personal Savior. In your name I pray. Amen. Father, bless the prayers of thy people. Thank you, Lord, for this time. You can share your word. Lord, help us as we face another week. Thank you, Lord, for this first day of the week that we can honor your name by being here in the church, fulfilling our duties, um, desiring to be of fellowship with one another. And once again, Lord, samahan mo po kami sa buong linggo. Give us your traveling mercy, protection, and use us to be a channel of blessing to someone. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.